Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. This week, we're wrapping up our month of frozen treats with the passion fruit semifreddo and letting you know how adding a bit of tahini to our soft-serve ice cream turned out. We'll also chat about the controversial topic of dessert leftovers, a phenomenon some of our listeners refuse to accept. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, semi-freddo, semi-fredo, semi-frito. <laughs> I don't know. When I did the extra in episode 80, I called it Frito. But when you look at it, that sounds, I mean, that sounds like the chips, right? <laughs> it's not that. Okay, so looking at the word, it's got to be freddo. I think so. Semi-freddo. I think so. It's, it's Italian. Italian. Mm-hmm. Semifreddo. Yeah, there's two Ds, not two Es. So ignore what I said in episode 80 when I introduced this. <laughs> it is the semi-freddo. Freddo, Freddo, Freddo. Got it. Thank you. That's yeah. what we're going with. Mm-hmm. All right. That, that great. Sounds Thank great. you. I just okay. wanted to clear that up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> here's something that's easier for me to pronounce, and it's called a hummingbird cake. Have you heard of this, Andrea? Well, a hummingbird cake is one of the classic Southern cakes. It, I believe, is one of Southern Living's most highly rated and popular desserts. Yeah, so it is classic from the South, and it is a banana cake, but it also has pineapple, and I cannot believe I have never made this before. I was needing some cupcakes. I love banana cake. We've done so many of them, and preheaters are all over those as well. Mm -hmm. This is basically just the addition of a pineapple. I mean, it's almost like making a carrot cake, which I told you guys my love of last episode, episode 80. Yes. Now, the difference here with these, and it came together, it was just very quick, very easy. The difference is there was a pineapple cream cheese frosting. Yum. And Andrea, I was able to use some dehydrated fruit powder, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. Oh, good. Good, good. I found a bag at Whole Foods here in London, mm-hmm. and it's like that astronaut ice cream or something. That's what the <laughs> – <laughs> it looks like you can just take off in the space shuttle. You just chunk it up in the food processor until that fine powder forms, and the flavor is just so intense. And need I take this pun a little further out of this world? <laughs> And you put it in the cream cheese frosting, which I've kind of gotten wise to. As you guys know, cream cheese isn't cream cheese really here. It's too soft. But I just added a little more sugar and a little more butter to make up for that consistency. Okay. Pineapple cream cheese. I could, I was eating it with a spoon. It is, it is fantastic, Andrea. I mean, you could put it on anything. So good. Is the powder yellow in color, the pineapple fruit powder? Yes, it was very light. And so I know that some people use this to change the color of the frosting, and it was Mm -hmm. really subtle. And that's, I think, because it was pale yellow to begin with. But Mm -hmm. if you were doing like a berry or something else with a really vivid color, I think it would definitely turn that frosting Mm -hmm. a really nice shade. But here, you couldn't see it quite as much. But the flavor was just, oh, so great. Definitely love it. And I loved all the Facebook chatter that we had about that because lots of people are exploring with this. 
Me too. Yeah. Well, I'm planning, I'm not buying the powder, but just buying the dehydrated fruit and turning it into a powder. But I know a lot of people have dehydrators. So I mean, they really could make it more cost conscious by dehydrating their own fruit. Oh, have you ever done that? No, I haven't. I have a friend who has one and she'll do things like blueberries and then put them in her homemade granola. And I really like it. It's, you know, again, it's one of those things that's like, it's really big. The appliance is really big. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you dehydrate fruit or you could dehydrate meat to make things like jerky. And I just have thought, you know, how often am I really going to use this big item? Yeah, right, right, right. Anyway, I just wanted to give an update because I had great success with that, both hummingbird cake, if you guys haven't tried that, and then that pineapple powder. I'm I'm sold. I'm a convert, 100%. Oh, great. I'm so glad that worked out. What recipe did you use for the hummingbird cupcakes? Oh, sure. Yeah, it was from a Woman's Day magazine, and I can okay. find a link for that and throw it up for you guys. It was super easy and really delicious. Okay, great. Oh, I can't wait to try that out. That sounds so good. Well, this week we are introducing a passion fruit semifredo, and it comes from Donna Hay. Uh, since this is the last week in our frozen month, we won't be reviewing this, but we'd love it if you guys would still bake along, or as I've been saying this month, freeze along with us and post your pictures on our Facebook group so we can see how this turned out for you. Stefan, the reason I really wanted to try this is twofold. Number one, you were telling me how prevalent passion fruit is in London, and Mm. That makes me realize it is just something I have never used in baking. In fact, I don't think I've ever had passion fruit unless it's been kind of in a mixed fruit bowl at some sort of, you know, corporate breakfast event and I haven't really even noticed that I was having it. I I agree. It's just not a flavor that we are that into in the U.S. Like the elderflower, it's another one that Mm. is everywhere here. You know, you've got your yogurt, you've got your fizzy drinks, you've got this and that and jams and and passion fruit is everywhere. Now, Mm -hmm. truth be told, I see them in the grocery all the time and I have not yet purchased them. So I'm excited to try this for that reason because it's time I got off my rear end and went and got one. (laughs) But... (laughs) The other reason I wanted to try this one is I just love a semifredo. Way back in the beginning of the show, I think on our first Thanksgiving, I made a pumpkin semifredo, yes. which was really good, but it it didn't quite scratch my itch. Be- I think because it was like I was making a frozen treat at Thanksgiving time and it didn't really work for me. For timing wise, yeah. Yeah. So I do want to spend some more time with semifredos this summer. I'm also going to Italy this summer, so I'm planning on doing a lot of research. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I do these things for you. So, and our listeners. Well, you can ask them in person. Is it Frito? Or I Frito? will. I will. <laughs> the other reason I thought this was a good one is I think it was listener Meg who said she would love it if we would do some frozen treats that don't require an ice cream maker. And that reminded me that, yeah. you know, not everyone has one like I do and not everyone, you know, hauled theirs to London like you did. So this particular recipe is just pouring it into a five cup capacity dish and freezing it for four to six hours or overnight and then taking it out and scooping it to serve. So you do not need an ice cream maker with this particular recipe. So I am really excited. I have not made this and to my knowledge I have not eaten this. So will the consistency be like a soft serve then at the end of the day or will it be firmer? What are you expecting? I'm expecting it much less firm, more like a soft serve, airier. Okay. You know, it's funny, the semifredos that I've had have always had something a little bit crunchy in them. 
maybe, you know, cocoa nibs or kind of mix-ins from candy bars or that kind of thing. So this is going to be different with just this one's is going to be creamy instead of crunchy. And so I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be light and airy. Well, although passion fruit does have seeds and they're fine to eat. So it could be giving you crunch from that. And those are in the picture there on the go. Donahue recipe. So I'm glad you said that. I saw those black flecks. And when yep. I saw them in my head, I thought, oh, wow, she's using some vanilla beans. But that's from the passion fruit. Yes. Okay. Yes. And it's perfectly fine and safe to eat them. I mean, I suppose you could strain them if you want. But no. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Great. Oh, can't wait. So yeah, this has got some eggs, egg yolk, uh, sugar, cream, the passion fruit pulp and then coconut cream which is the very thick top layer of a canned coconut is that correct Andrea? Yes or at least at my grocery store you can now buy coconut cream in uh, the boxes or they also sell them in the can that I think of the typical can size for tomato paste. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it's maybe like th- three ounces. I've seen they're now selling coconut cream in that. So if when you open that up, it's just yeah. all thick cream. You don't have to strain any liquid out. Thank you to whoever decided to manufacture that product. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful person you are. Yes, we appreciate it. Well, yeah, that is going to be great. That's Donna Hayes Coconut and Passion Fruit Semi-Freddo. Freddo. (laughs) Excellent. I did have one other quick question for you. Now, she mentions in here a half a cup of pouring single Mm -hmm. cream. So that equivalent in the U.S. is like heavy cream? I think the other way. I think that heavy cream is more like the double cream. So isn't there – there's whipping cream and then there's heavy cream. Which one is the thinner one? I think it's the whipping. Yes? Whichever your thinner one is. Mm, whichever your thinner one is. I didn't realize there were two. Okay, the, in my mind, the thinner one is half and half. And then you have heavy cream, which if you whip, turns into whipping cream. I don't know that I've ever seen a heavy cream and a whipping cream, but maybe there is, and I've just never noticed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's what I've seen. Okay. Yeah, so here the differential is single or double. Yeah. And that's, yeah. It probably would just come down to the creaminess factor here. I'm not sure it would affect too much if you... I think you're right. You know, you've got a lot of fat going on already, so... Yeah. Um, The reason I wanted to mention that is last time I was in the grocery store, we have a little separate section in the dairy. It's not by the regular dairy. It's more by the deli, and it has things that are more, you know, specialties or that type of thing. And I saw a little glass jar, and it was labeled double cream. And I was like, yay! I'm so excited. The colonies, they're finally getting with it. So. I didn't buy it because it was about $8 for, Mm. you know, Mm. this tiny little four-ounce bottle. But I was excited to see it. Oh, that's so nice. That's so fun. Now we'll move on to reviewing our tahini chocolate banana soft serve from the Minimalist Baker. And this was a soft serve. It was, I think, two servings. Was that right? Yes, serves two. Uh, It was vegan. It was gluten-free. If you did not use any of the artificial or other sweeteners, it was sugar-free even. You had some sliced frozen bananas, your tahini or other um, nut or seed butter, cacao or unsweetened cocoa powder, some maple syrup, dates or other sweetener, and then some optional things. There was also an optional magic shell. Andrea, Cannot wait to hear this. I'm really, really hoping you made a magic shell too. (laughs) Well, this was a pretty exciting dessert for me. First of all, I did split it in half because my husband doesn't like 
chocolate and my daughter doesn't like tahini. Okay. And so I thought, well, I'm just not going to waste it. So it was it was really easy to just split in half, especially since she gives the gram measurements on the bananas. So you can actually weigh your bananas and make sure you have the right amount. Yes. As I mentioned last week, I did slice my bananas before I froze them. And then before I put it in the food processor, I pulled them out about, you know, 15 minutes ahead of time. So they were a little softer. Yep. I use the tahini, the sesame seed paste. I almost always have that in my pantry. I use it for salad dressing, and I use it to make my own hummus. So I've usually got it around, but I think this would be just as good with any of the other nut butters. And I used my raw cacao powder, which I have in my pantry, so that was easy. And then I did use a little bit of maple syrup. I did not use the dates, and I did use the vanilla extract and the pinch of sea salt. Mm And um, I, you know, followed the instructions. I did it in the food processor. I scraped it right out of the food processor into a container, put it in the freezer, let it thicken up a little bit. And then when I served it, I did not make the magic shell. I I completely forgot about it. I think because I do make the magic shell on the regular um, for dipping my strawberries, I didn't didn't really think about it for this. But I loved it. I thought it had a real creaminess. I wish I could think of the the word to use here that's not gross. The only word I can think of is it kind of had a, a sliminess or a gooiness, oh. but it was good. Oh, it was slippery. Yeah. Sli- okay, thank you. That's mm-hmm. better. It was. <laughs> it wasn't just smooth. It was kind of slippery. It was. And it I think was. you're right. It was the banana. Yeah. Down to the banana. Yeah, I think that was it. I also need to acknowledge that not all preheaters like bananas. I realize that you and I love bananas. Many of our listeners love bananas, but I know listener Anne is not a banana favorite. I think listener <laughs> Amy came out of the closet last week and admitted she's not a favorite of bananas. So my apologies for making the assumption that everyone in the world loves things with bananas. I get that they're not for everyone. So in this particular dessert, the, the flavor I do think really comes through. So if you're not a big banana fan, um, I, I, I don't know that I would make this particular one. But if you love bananas, then uh, go for it because I thought it turned out great. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I loved this. I was actually astonished by this. I The frozen banana blends up into something that is more than the sum of its parts Mm -hmm. and I used about three and a half medium bananas two were really ripe like I would make bread with them one and a half was just ripe I would still eat that just you know Mm -hmm. unpeel it and eat it Mm -hmm. I used the tahini I used unsweetened cocoa powder I did not use any other sugar or syrup I did two dates and I loved that. I didn't think it needed any additional sweetener. I thought it had just a really nice dark chocolate flavor. It's tricky because you think it's dairy. You think it can't have this consistency without it being a really creamy dairy. And so it's quite magical. Right. I also let my bananas sit for Mm -hmm. about two minutes just to take the hard freeze off. It was much easier to blend. I had no problems in my food processor. We ate it right away. It was completely gone. The only complaint is that there were some tiny chunks of the date. And once my daughter kind of discovered those, then she said, is this a date? (laughs) And then they think you're like trying to force health food on them. God forbid, right? So I would do it again because I was so pleased with how sweet the Mm -hmm. dates were and that I didn't have to use any sugar. Mm -hmm. But I need to come up with maybe I I just really blitz those ahead of time first or something too. But I loved this. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, that's what I do when I'm making my own date paste is I'll put like two 
to four dates in the food processor with, say, a tablespoon of water. Okay. And really were it for a while. It's kind of weird because it just sort of spreads itself all over the sides of the bowl. Okay. But then, you know, you can kind of scrape it down and then you could use like two tablespoons, you know, as a substitute for two dates or something. So I think if you made a date paste, that would blend in a lot better and your daughter wouldn't know. (laughs) Do both of your kids like tahini, though? That that's, That's a flavor that they're okay with. My daughter can detect it and she is not a fan. Yeah, they're both hummus, folk savory hummus, and I will be soon introducing mm-hmm, your dessert mm-hmm. hummus that you talked about Excellent. <laughs> in episode 80. Yeah, they don't mind that. I do think there is. So Andrea, you might know, but when you go to the hummus aisle at your grocery store, there's like 25 staring back at you and there's like dark hummus and light hummus. And from what I understand, the lighter is the less bitter. Is that, do I have that correct? Do you know? You know, I make almost all of my own hummus, so I, I couldn't speak to this store about Sorry, sorry. The, the tahini. Sorry. Oh. Oh, Sorry, okay. Tahini. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. You said there's like 25 choices. Um, I have trouble finding it at my store. I think it's because I don't buy it oh. that frequently because I have tended to use less and less of it as I'm making it in my hummus over time because my daughter doesn't like it. Okay. So I think my original hummus recipe, let's say it was, you know, a quarter cup of tahini, and then I was doing two tablespoons, and then I was doing one tablespoon, yeah. and a lot of times I just skip it completely now. So... I know the one that I bought came in one of those white containers, so I don't even know that I was, you know, comparing it to others. Is it is it on the aisle, like, with the nut butters, like the almond butters and that sort of stuff, or where is it in your grocery? Yeah, that's – I went to the Whole Foods, and that's where it was here. And okay. as I understand, the dark uses the outer seed or the outer shell, I guess, and okay. the lighter does not. And so it's a – color thing but it's also then a more intense flavor or some people think it's a more bitter flavor so I chose the I believe it was the lightest one that they had it's still it just still does I think naturally just kind of have a little bitter flavor Mm -hmm. and so you are wanting to counteract that a bit but I thought it went really nice with the chocolate flavor too I did too powder so I think Mm -hmm. it, it really played nicely it also it's always a win in my book when I'm getting like protein and you know some fiber and my fruit that's not the first thing you think at all you're just like what is this delicious delicious nope I know we're not doing blue ribbons this month, but this would be mine. I loved it so much. I'm so happy that our listeners were like, yeah. try something with tahini because, yeah, I'm sold. And this is another one that doesn't require the ice cream maker. So um, no. that's really nice. You can. I personally thought you could eat it straight out of the food processor. You could also use a blender if you don't want to use a food processor. I thought it was only, you know, it changed the texture when I froze it. I liked it both ways. Did you make the magic shell, the homemade magic shell? I did not make okay. a homemade magic <laughs> shell, but I think that with our discussion about the pixie foods and all of this, I'm going to need to track it down one way or another. But you know what? You did not need to top this with anything. It was perfect no. as it was. Loved it. She suggested topping it with additional tahini, and I, I definitely skipped that. I didn't think it needed a topping. I thought it was just fine. Listeners, remember, we'll have a link to these recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Pinterest and Facebook pages. Andrea, last week in episode 80, we were talking about some of our favorite single-serving desserts. And in part, uh, because, you know, dessert leftovers can be something that we both struggle with, what to do. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say struggle necessarily, but um, it is of concern. So we do have to thank our listeners for this segment idea. I think it was back in April. I had some leftover chocolate ganache, and I, you know, very innocently was thinking, gosh, how can I use this? So I posted it in our Facebook group and said, can I get some suggestions? And boy, did those pre heaters come through for us. 
<laughs> I know, they so did. Let's see, Robin, Tina, Christian, they all suggested making truffles. Mimi said she adds hers to vanilla buttercream, magically turning it into chocolate buttercream. Mm-hmm. Rebecca suggested making babka. And Amy melts hers and drizzles it on top of ice cream. I guess you might call that a magic shell. I know. It's exactly the kind of creativity that I've come to depend on from our listeners. I also really appreciated the honesty from both Karen and Dana, who suggested (laughs) get a spoon, (laughs) which is definitely the easiest suggestion on how to use up some leftover chocolate ganache. And uh, one I employ all the time, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. In a separate thread, did you see how listener Ruth, she combined three of her leftovers into an entirely new dessert. She had leftover cannoli filling, leftover chocolate ganache, and leftover pie crust, and Ruth turned it into mini cannoli bites that just, I mean, it blew up our page and they looked completely amazing. Yeah, she definitely took leftovers into new territory. I was quite impressed. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, Stefan, what about you? What are some of your favorite ways to get creative with leftovers if you have them? Yeah, and I think you make a really good point about making it into new territory. That to me is the key. When you can turn Mm -hmm. a leftover into something completely unlike its original state, that's what makes it more exciting and yes, more people willing to eat that and not feel like a leftover, which is your end goal. So I love making a trifle. A trifle is a huge dessert here in England. It is Mm. layers of cake that are sometimes, but not always, soaked in some kind of alcohol. Uh, With a chocolate cake, you could do some amaretto. You could do some Baileys. Those are both ones I like to use. Mm. You layer that with a fruit, uh, either sliced fruit that maybe is a little sugared, or here I can find a really high-quality fruit puree that's already ready to go. That makes that easy. Oh, You can do some custard either homemade pudding or store-bought that you like. Nice. And then some whipped cream, and you layer it. It's a very pretty dessert. It's also really good if your cake is going just a little stale because you're soaking it. It's got a lot of moisture from those other ingredients. I I really love that. Mm -hmm. One I just did this week with that pineapple cream cheese icing I was talking about from my hummingbird cake. Oh, yeah. Um, Had some leftover with that. And, you know, as you were talking about the ganache, you could also do this with your ganache. So – You hollow out a strawberry and you put the frosting or the chocolate inside of it. So it's it's like an inside out chocolate dipped strawberry if you think of it that way. Oh, oh, how fun. Yeah, it is so good and it feels a little more special to me than just like smearing it on a spoon and on the berry, which, you know, again, let's be honest, (laughs) that's what's usually happening. Yeah, how do you hollow out a strawberry? Just take off as little of the stem as you can. Get rid of the green. And then I just okay. use a very sharp pointed knife. You could uh-huh. probably use okay. a melon baller if you had that. A small one. Yeah. Right. Okay. A small one. And then, you know, it's it's less than like, it's probably like half a teaspoon of, of chocolate or um, frosting. But it okay. just fits right down in there. Perfect. And then finally, you know, listener Barb recently had a Facebook post about making an ice cream sandwich with banana bread. I often do ice cream sandwich with leftover cookies, but I never thought to do it with a quick bread. So I am so excited to try that, especially this summer. I'm, yeah, brilliant. I thought that too. When she posted that particular one, I thought to myself, oh, I might try this in the fall as well with my pumpkin bread. And if I make that pumpkin semifreddo again, (gasps) wouldn't that be good? Or you could do mm-hmm. it with like a chocolate quick bread and a, <laughs> oh, I mean the possibilities are so endless. I know. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Why yeah. did I never think of this? Yeah, I loved I loved that. Thank you again, Barb, for posting that. Yes. So Andrea, tell us about some of your favorites. 
Well, I think I've mentioned this before, but one thing I love to do, I love to bake pies, and that's typically, you know, anywhere from 8 to 12 slices, and there's three people in my family. So even if we ate it, you know, two nights in a row, I would still have some leftovers. Yeah. So I do like to make a pie milkshake where I will take a piece of pie, and I'll cut it up, and I'll throw it in the blender with a little bit of ice cream. So that's kind of fun. Ooh, yummy. I love making my own ice cream, and I usually toss mix-ins at the last minute after it's the consistency that I've got. So when I'm making just a plain chocolate or a plain vanilla, I'll often take whatever leftovers I have from dessert. You have to be a little careful here because you got to think about things as they freeze, whether or not it's going to be kind of good in your mouth. So banana bread's a good example. Okay. If I was going to put, you know, banana bread as a mix-in, I would definitely make sure I cut it up into really small pieces, you know, so that it wasn't like a big chunk (laughs) that, you know, you might chip your tooth on. It's a really good point because some things freeze much too hard. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, you often find cookie dough as opposed to cookies as a mix-in and the ice cream. I think the cookie dough freezes a little little bit better than, you know, the actual cookie, which can turn into a little bit of a brick. So true. I also make protein balls. I do these more in the summer when – you know, I, you guys know I like to ride my bike and I'm always looking for kind of quick ways to get some protein. So that's where I will use like leftover ingredients, whether it's cacao powder or cocoa powder. I'll use coconut flakes or coconut chips. I'll use leftover nuts. I'll use dried fruit and I'll mix that in with, you know, some almond butter or peanut butter and some flax seeds, some chia seeds. So I can disguise anything in those protein balls. You can really throw, you can throw in all sorts of leftovers there and no one will ever know. You know, another thing that cropped up when we were prepping for this episode is this app that I heard of and it's called Olio. I believe that's how you pronounce it. O-L-I-O. And it's two friends who run this company. One is from England. One is from the States. Where have we heard that? The one founder came up with this idea when she was doing a move and she was literally having to leave her rental and had tried with all her might to eat everything out of the cupboards and the fridge but still had these random like head of cabbage and you know bag of flour and (laughs) thought why can't I hook up with someone who needs this and will use it so I do not have to throw it away it gets leftovers to people who want them and need them and it cuts down on waste and it helps combats hunger I mean it's so brilliant I texted you about it and immediately you're like I've posted my first one so (laughs) I can't wait to hear how it went for you yeah it's really easy to sign up I had bought that tart cherry pie from the Anjou Bakery in Kashmir, Washington. Yes. And oh my gosh, it was so good. We had like three slices left over from that. And I thought, I have got to get this out of my house or I will eat all of them. Yes. So I took a picture of it. And I also thought it might be a little more palatable to people to have leftovers that were from a bakery as opposed to, you know, someone's home kitchen, like just some random person saying, hey, I didn't finish my pie. Do you want some? Okay. So I posted it on the Olio site. It's really easy. You just take a picture. You say whether it's free or not. You describe the item. You list any expiration dates, and you give a general idea of your location and when it can be picked up. Now, right after I posted that, I thought, well, I should browse and see if there's any other things in my area. And it turns out that I do believe I'm the only person in Olympia, Washington, using the Olio app. (laughs) So it 
it sat there for about a day and, you know, I wasn't getting any questions about it or anything, whereas I could see stuff in Seattle was moving quite quickly. Okay. And so it turned out that I had some people stopping by my house to pick up um, something else for an unrelated thing. And I sort of mentioned to them, like, hey, I've got this pie here. It's from a bakery, you know, and I'm just not going to eat it. And one of the girls was like, oh, my gosh, my mom loves cherry pie. If you would give that to me, I would love it. So, Oh, perfect. Didn't end up moving it through Olio, but I did end up moving it on. Okay. I went ahead and posted one other item on Olio. Stefan, I don't know if your kids do this, but my daughter is got this special talent where <laughs> she will try something one or two times and say she absolutely loves it and wants it forever. And as soon as I buy the big box or the bulk size, she's done with it. <laughs> she wants nothing to do with it. So I brought home a big box of the Honey Nut Cheerios, which she had always been a plain Cheerios person. And then she tried a Honey Nut Cheerios and she said, Mom, I love this. I love this. And I brought home the big box of Honey Nut Cheerios and she was like, oh, no, I don't like those. They're Mm, too sweet. mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's what I have posted on there right now. I mean, it's an unopened box and it's, you know, it doesn't expire until January 2019. So I feel confident that this one is going to move. It's on there for five days. I just need, you know, some people in Olympia to actually be on the app. So I have shared it in some other Facebook groups that I belong to that are like, okay free or donated stuff so we'll see if it goes yeah I think it's just it's such a great idea and I know here in London is maybe where they rolled it out or are especially busy because there's actually drop-off points you can take it to a location and so it's just got to be a matter of finding critical mass for that kind of thing and I I think it, it fills this this gap that was there, which is getting rid of something that you have a portion of, right? I mean, you can't take a third of a pie to a food bank. Exactly. But at the same time, there's mm-hmm. someone out there, as you found just through word of mouth, that, that is going to eat that and, and enjoy it and it not go to waste. Anything else that, that you're doing to help cut down on waste? Well, I would say the other thing that I'm doing is I'm trying to buy things in the bulk section in the amount that I need for a recipe instead of buying the whole bag, you know. So if I'm doing a recipe that calls for, I don't know, you know, two tablespoons of pine nuts, then I'm just trying to buy the two tablespoons of pine nuts from the bulk section instead of getting the bag of pine nuts that then, you know, sit in my freezer forever and maybe don't get used. So I think buying the amount that you need from bulk, if that's an option for you, is a really good way to go. Yeah, I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just a matter of some maybe a little bit of extra planning and effort, but then also just creativity and it makes a big difference. So better for our planet and for all of us. Absolutely. Listeners, uh, we hope you will share those creative leftover dessert ideas with us. Please post your favorites on our Facebook group or send us a message at host at preheatedpodcast.com. We'd love to see it. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get this episode onto the cooling rack. We hope you enjoyed our month of frozen treats and are well on your way to cooling down while the summer heats up. Next month, the temperatures continue to rise, but don't worry. We're kicking off an entire month of no-bake desserts so you can keep your cool and still enjoy your kitchen. You can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like our show, please do tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download our podcasts. That truly is how new people find our show and we get more listeners. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. 
Reheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.